Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly live radio program. Uh, we've got a special show to uh, share with you this morning. Uh, but before I do that, I'm joined in studio with uh, Lieutenant Gary Traverse of the Cops Bureau. And Good he's going to uh, cut us over to a check of the weather. Here we go. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, partly sunny. A chance of rain this afternoon. Highs in the lower 50s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, rain or snow in the evening, then snow likely after midnight. Total snow accumulation of 1 to 3 inches. Cold with lows in the lower 30s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 80%. Saturday, partly sunny with a chance of snow in the morning, then mostly cloudy with a chance of snow or rain showers in the afternoon. Cooler with highs around 40. Northwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gusts up to 30 miles per hour, increasing to 40 miles per hour in the afternoon. Chance of precipitation 50%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Welcome back. Having a, a little bit of technical difficulty in studio this morning. The lieutenant was having difficulty locating the intro. And uh, I was going to read news articles off of my tablet, but it doesn't want to sign me in. It, apparently it doesn't recognize the hat and the mask. I think um, I, uh, pl I played the wrong weather. You played the wrong weather? Uh, yeah, I think they said something about snow. It's, it's May. <laughs> you know what? I... I was ignoring it, but we really can't. It's this is crazy. It, it's it's Mother's Day weekend. It's mid-May, and they're calling for uh, snow showers in the Berkshires. That's I don't know. It's not okay. It's harsh. It's just not a normal year. Um, so I'm not going to do any news articles per se, but I am going to follow up on the uh, promise that I made to my colleague Jen Glockner from the Office of Cultural Development. Um, you know, studios are closed. Galleries are closed, museums are closed, but there's still a lot going on. Um, we've got unbelievable community organizations and community partners here in Pittsfield and throughout Berkshire County, and they have all stepped up and managed to pivot. So, as I said last week, if you do not subscribe to the Cultural Pittsfield Today newsletter, do that. And take a look at all the online happenings. Uh, meet the artists from the First Friday's Art Walk. Go check out some of the unique objects that are uh, not normally on display at the Berkshire Museum. Check out some of the cool programming that is available from uh, the Berkshire Athenaeum, Pittsfield's Public Library. Uh, I would say, you know, check out our YouTube page and check out some cool story times with Lieutenant Traversa, but he left me hanging on that project. <laughs> um, but there's some pretty cool uh, episodes that are up there that I posted. I read the entire Danny Dollar Millionaire Extraordinaire, uh, one chapter at a time, by local artists uh, Ty Allen Jackson. So this I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say, Lieutenant? You can't <laughs> no, argue with me. I know. Uh, 
so we have kind of a, a what I think is a cool opportunity here, as we've said for the last several weeks, uh, On Patrol with the PPD is one of only two. Um, so our second guest just walked in, so I got to mask back up. Everything's going to be muffled because I have to mask back up. Hi, Gina. Um, so we are one of only two live radio programs that have continued to be produced and broadcast during the pandemic. Uh, the second is Bill Sturgeon's Morning Drive, which I'm actually scheduled to have a meeting. I can't, I can't talk into the mic that way. Um, <laughs> scheduled to have a meeting with him to talk about an upcoming interview next week. Uh, but because we have this available, I reached out earlier this week to other members of the city's command and general staff. To, you know, we, we have an hour a week. It's our time. And uh, although this was originally conceived as a public safety and community outreach and community engagement show, we're in a public health emergency. Uh, and uh, we're supporting our public health partners. This is kind of um, their moment to lead and their moment to shine. So today we are joined in studio by Director Gina Armstrong, the director of the city's uh, health department. And we are also joined by her partner, the uh, chairman of the city's board of health, Dr. Alan Kohlberg. Gina had a little uh, traffic difficulty this morning, so she's just getting comfortable and coming in and joining us. Uh, and, and Dr. Kohlberg is taking copious notes because they have been busy. Um, so... Just by way of introduction to this, we are 50, I forgot to count, 50 some odd days. 58. 58, operations period 58. We're 58 days into a declared public health emergency, and the city is operating under the principle of unified command with a command and general staff. But even when you operate under unified command, somebody's got to take the lead. Somebody's got to take charge. Uh, somebody's got to be the chief among chiefs. And because this is a public health emergency, that somebody is Gina Armstrong. She's kind of the, the woman in command as this thing goes forward. So welcome, Gina. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, we saw you had some, some traffic difficulty on the way in. I did. I thought I was going to be 20 minutes early. but so over, yeah. o Overturned tractor trailer. Yes. And then paving. Yes, then perfect. I'm the I couldn't believe it. I'm yes. 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about the format for the program before we came in this morning. And as I was conceptualizing that, I realized there's a ton of important information that we want to share with the community. But I have one question for both of you that's kind of top of mind for me. How are you both doing? Because this has been a lot. <laughs> it, it's been constant, full-time, around the clock, seven days a week. How are you holding up? I think we're doing okay. We are. Uh, yeah, we're doing our jobs and uh, trying to be proactive whenever we have to be and react uh, and respond to uh, situations as they develop. I think we're doing, we're doing well. I've, you know, I've known Gina for years being on the Board of Health and so we've had a good working relationship now for quite a while. Yeah, and I, I really get my energy from everyone else. You know, knowing that there is such a strong team, I never feel like it, it, it's so overwhelming because I know that all the expertise is there, the leadership is there, 
um, our partners are all pulling together. So, um, you know, yeah, sometimes at the end of the day, you, you feel a little drained and uh, <laughs> you get a little tired of making, you know, one decision after another. But, um, you know, it, it, I can't say enough for, um, you know, the difference a strong, strong team makes when you're in a, a, a like a marathon crisis situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you, are you both getting enough rest and finding time for your self-care? Having some coronavirus dreams, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what a coronavirus dream looks like. You but, know, it just yeah. takes many forms, yeah. but uh, um, I, I, I think I, I, I echo what Gina just said about being part of a team. We've got some... I'm going to give a little shout-out to our public health nurses um, who have been doing a spectacular job in the trenches doing contact tracing, and they're really busy constantly and they they deserve a lot of credit for what they've been doing to keep this this uh pandemic under control in our area <clears throat> appropriate shout outs we're still in we're still in nurses appreciation week yeah, and i think public health nurses uh kind of behind the scenes they don't get the same visibility that ED nurses get or trauma nurses get but our you know in our particular nurse team our lead public health nurse she had a baby in the, at the beginning of this, yes. right? right? Life goes on. And she's back. And she's back, and we're happy to have her back. Right. Yeah, um, so she's, she's working from home, and she's coordinating the team of four other nurses. So, you know, that's one of the early interventions I think we were really successful with, is was bringing on the four public health nurses. And you're, you're right, Chief Wynn, because they are working behind the scenes. People don't realize uh, what what an important role they have. I think now in the media you're hearing a, a lot more about contact tracing and that is one of the, the key uh, control uh, measures that every community needs to have in place um, and, and be really strong in because they, they're a huge support to people who are experiencing the illness and they're worried about their contacts and their family and so you know just being on the other having a nurse on the other side of the phone um, to walk them through it to be the support to listen to the other challenges that they're they're facing you know it might be economic it may be that they have a house full of other people that they're really worried about them becoming ill so they're an emotional support they are a link to other um, available resources in the community they help them get through their illness um, they, um, you know, uh, they l inform them when they'll be able to go back to work. So those, uh, it, it's, a, it's an extremely important role, and uh, we have to always be prepared to, to scale up with our contact tracing as needed. So as the city begins to look at how we're going to reopen, um, and there's a greater potential for um, transmission of the virus, we our public health nurse team has to be able to respond and do the contact tracing as needed and as quickly as possible. That, that's really important. I, and I want to take a moment here to give a sh you and your team a shout out because the Commonwealth's contract tracing initiative uh, with a couple stumbling blocks and hiccups rolled out this week, the large scale expansion. But we've been doing contract tr contact tracing here in the city of Hitsfield since the outset, since before the declaration. Um, and I was just thinking as you were telling that story, in our last 
department head meeting, uh, the last like dedicated topic department head meeting on the coronavirus before the emergency declaration, which would have been mid-March, because it was the week I was, it was the last week I was supposed to work before I was supposed to fly to New Mexico. Um, I actually was sitting next to Nurse Donnelly Winters mm -hmm. when we had a report of an employee who had a potential exposure, and she was able to do a quick little contact tracing and give him some return to work instructions over the phone while we were in the meeting. It, it was that um, it was that quick and it was that valuable to us because it allowed us to delay our force protection measures. So your team is on point and they have been phenomenal. Um, so we wanted to spend a little bit of time, or probably a significant chunk of our time today, talking about the new face covering slash mask slash social distancing orders, both from uh, the governor's office and the executive order in the Department of Public Health, and more importantly, the Board of Health's local order that uh, went into effect last this week, earlier this week, um, particularly around food retailers. So it's a lot of changes very rapidly. There's been a lot of conversations about some of the education that we need to do for uh, retail establishments. So Let's tell our listeners about that. Well, we were in the process of developing a an order last week, and um, about uh, the distancing and face masks and and um, help me out here. Oh, the social distancing. The social, so face masks. Oh, and and uh, oc oc the oc occupancy, occupancy limits mm -hmm. in in stores. And then the mayor, and then the governor said, "Well, I'm coming out with a uh, with a, uh, a sweeping face mask order of myself." So we <laughs> hurriedly um, edited our order to in to incorporate the governor's uh, directions, and um, and our order took effect this past Monday, the fourth, and the governor's uh, the sixth. But they are compatible. They're the they. Uh, they work with each other our mask and facial covering order uh, and the difference between a mask and a facial covering you hear both terms being used is that a mask is really a more form-fitting uh, type of device whereas a, a f any facial cover a facial covering can include a cloth mask something that's homemade uh, a scarf that's pulled around the face so there's a it's a little bit more of an informal type of facial covering than a, than a mask um, it, it should be mentioned that um, uh, everybody's heard the term N95, which is a type of mask, and that's a more form-fitting type of mask that is still currently only reserved for healthcare workers. So, um, uh, just for, to, to to make that point, um, so we yeah, so we uh, our our order came into being this past Monday. The, the governor's. Uh, sweeping uh, facial mask order for um, uh, for all indoor spaces uh, took took effect on on uh, on Wednesday. Ours was more uh, directly uh, addressed to food establishments, grocery stores, supermarkets, convenience stores, uh, takeout places, and uh, it's uh, we can go into as much detail of that as you want, Chief. We um. Uh, we get a lot of questions. We get a lot of questions uh, in in the department, and obviously, we're public safety. We're not public health. Um, but just for the listeners, and I know we're several weeks into this. CDC has said it. The, the federal government has said it. But 
why face coverings? Why are we encouraging and mandating in some cases that people cover their, their nose and mouth? Well, the underlying principle here is that you just don't know who could potentially be contagious. And not only are you protecting yourself, but one has to realize that by covering your mouth that you are protecting other people as well. About 50% of cases of coronavirus uh, disease are asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic, which means that a, a person will just not know if they're sick, uh, whereas they may test positive if, if they're tested. So a lot of this information derives from studies that were done in China with the original, where the, uh, where the pandemic seemed to originate. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, if you don't know who's contagious, if you don't know who's got the infection, then everybody's just got to protect themselves and protect others. And, and that's, the ration, that's the underlying rationale behind uh, everybody wearing a mask. You just don't know. So everybody, everybody is suspect. And with the cloth face coverings, just to kind of reiterate what you just said, it's, it's not like the filtration of the N95 mask or KN95 mask to protect the wearer. It's right. to prevent droplet spread. To, Correct. to prevent the wearer from spreading potential virus, that's, asymptomatic that's, virus to somebody else. That's correct. You know, yeah, healthcare personnel are going to be exposed to high loads of virus um, it, by being around people who are sick and the, being more form-fitting, it's going to protect them that much more. And still a lot of fa healthcare workers have become ill. So, you know, it's a pretty, uh, it's, it's a pretty dangerous bug. All right. So the, the Board of Health is the enforcement body for Board of Health orders. And we have learned, we've had some experience with this in the past with less significant orders, but we have learned that within the Commonwealth general laws, there is a provision for local boards of health to essentially deputize local law enforcement to serve as their agents. Um, and it, I think I said in an email, that, that basically means we're like the field force to, to be the outreach for you and so you we have formally been designated as enforcement agents for the board of health for enforcement of this particular order for the duration of the emergency um and i had a i had a count a statewide mass major city chiefs meeting earlier this week and this was this was one of the topics that took up most of our time because as uh, chief kais from chelsea said we're not the mask police right that's not it's not in our mission and it's not in our mandate and we're not really interested in doing that. Um, so the, the way we've approached this and in my communication internally with our, our staff and, and our communication back and forth, it's education over enforcement. We really want to make sure that people are aware that the order exists and why the order is important. And then based on the education, try to get some voluntary compliance and even if we can't get voluntary compliance, um, we've we've provided masks to our frontline patrol officers to give to people that they might encounter, and it's only after we go through all of those steps that we would get to the point where we have to take some type of at that point civil enforcement action, um, and so we took the guidance that came from the Commonwealth and the governor's office, which allowed for fines up to $300 for a violation. And we followed the approach that we generally take with enforcement of city orders and um, ordinances. And we kind of used a, a graduated stair step process. So 
a first offense is a verbal warning. It's mm-hmm. mandatory verbal warning. And then it's followed up by graduated fine structures, $100, $200, and then $300 for subsequent offenses. And actually, when we're uh, done with the morning conference call, this came up yesterday. I think you brought it up, Lieutenant. We have to figure out how we're going to document subsequent violations if they're uh, identified by somebody other than the PD so that when we deal with the people later, we know where we are in that graduated scale. Mm. Um, Gina, why did we graduate the scale instead of just saying, we're going to hit you with a $300 ticket? Because we could have. Well, <laughs> with all of our, our Board of Health orders, we, we have a graduated uh, fine system. So, you know, we always start off like you said, with an education approach, um, and then uh, a smaller fine if if there's if the problem is reoccurring, and you know we're we're hoping that you know at that point we will will have compliance and an understanding of of what the expectation is, um, but you know we were we're just following suit with our. Um, you know, our fine schedule that's implemented in, in gradual stages if, if needed. Um, we, you know, rarely does it it result in, you know, that, that third offense. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how this goes. Um, so far this week, we've had uh, some, we've seen some really good progress in many of our retail establishments. Um, and then on the other hand, we've had a few complaints with the, with some of the larger retailers that we're doing follow-up with to um, help them get some systems in place and ways of prompting their customers to uh, kind of adjust to, to this new new way of, of shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, I haven't gotten any reports from any of our field personnel, our officers, about anybody who has um, has caused a disturbance or resisted in any way. You know, when we, we've had limited contact with them over these orders at this point in time, but there's been some stories nationally. That, I mean, people people are responding to this with some really out of the out of the world negative responses. There's been at least one shooting attributed uh, to trying to enforce mask orders um, and a whole bunch of fights. Uh, there's a couple of a couple of high profile videos out there of some arrests that just went sideways in a heartbeat because people don't don't want to comply. Um, and again, for our listeners, it's education over enforcement. We would much rather talk to you and provide a mask to somebody than cite you or, God forbid, arrest you. But this is a public health emergency. Um, we we need everybody to understand that until, basically until we develop a vaccine and get widespread testing, we're all still susceptible to this and we need to, we need to pull together. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, there are many aspects of the pandemic that we don't have any control over but our first line of defense really is with the things we we do have control over every day every um hour of every day you know the the frequent hand washing the um wearing a, a mask out in public and the social distancing those are you know habits that we're we're beginning to adjust to and those are things that we directly have have control over that will protect us, our families, our 
our coworkers and our community. And those are the measures that are going to help us reopen and regain some normalcy. The, this is critical in our ability to start getting back to you know, some, some normalcy in our lives. And I, I don't think it's a lot to ask of people to, to, wear, to wear a mask when they're going out if this is going to help us reopen our economy and start doing things that we, we enjoy. Yeah, <coughs> our normal, the, when, when <laughs> normal in quotation marks is going to be people wearing masks, uh, resuming doing things that they hadn't been able to do, but they're going to have to still wear their personal protection so that, so that they can do that safely. You know, I, I don't, um, don't want to draw comparisons between a uh, public health worldwide you know virus thing and and the other areas of of widespread homeland security that the lieutenant and i deal with but i'm looking at particularly from the law enforcement point of view the equipment we've been pushing out to our personnel and to fire personnel that we would never have never carried it or worn it before and the only comparison i have in my experience is following the attacks of september 11th where it went from unheard of to, for a patrol officer to carry a rifle and carry a gas mask to frequently seeing patrol officers carrying rifles and carrying gas masks. I remember my first trip down to Manhattan after 9-11 and seeing um, tactical officers from the counterterrorism teams for NYPD standing on the corner with a mask strapped to their thigh and a rifle slung around their, you know, it's just it, it, overnight. It went from NYPD looking like every other police department in America to NYPD looking like <coughs> IDF people I had seen in Tel Aviv. Um, and it, it was that quick. And so I had a conversation recently with Captain Kirchner about actually purchasing, um, you know, because our, our, our masks, our KN95 masks, are disposable masks, right? That's, that's what we're using. It's what everybody's using. Actually purchasing half-face respirators for police officers to be part of their normal kit because we'll get through this you know we're going to get this we've got a good plan it's being rolled out slowly implemented but this isn't the only virus out there uh, and so the next time it happens we can't respond the same way we have to be better prepared uh, i never you know lieutenant you and i carry full face respirators in our kit all the time that's what happens when you work swat but i never thought that we would be providing respiratory protection to police officers as as part of our normal day-to-day -day gear and that may be it yeah it's yeah. just it's, it's changes that um you know maybe you could have imagined you know you would need that equipment for you know a, a maybe one incident or you know some sort, sort of a short time period but yeah. i mean the fact that we're in this two plus months and it as you said Gina, we, you know, we're, we want to get back to normal, but the mask thing is it's, it's going to stick around for a while so that w it will allow us to do that right. more, you know. Right, that's going to be safely. part of our new normal. Yeah. 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 I, I have been attempting to avoid using the expression new normal for two and a half months now because I and I've said it a couple of times nothing about this is normal it's more like it's, the new app it, it's going to be our yeah. new reality it's going to be our new paradigm but it's there's nothing about right. it that's normal um, right. uh, this is one of those things that occurs in in the history of humankind 
that is going to be looked back at as a watershed moment and the whole world pivoted and will be you know people will be telling their their grandchildren where they were during COVID 19 and what they were doing um, we're coming up on a half hour so in a little bit we're going to have to get a station identification and another check of the weather and some psas but is talking about you know putting precautions in place so you can resume the things that we want to do um, the great example of that is yesterday's modification to the essential businesses people can start playing golf again right it's it's not going to be golf with your foursome in the cart but you can get out on the links and start you know knocking the ball around again um which given you know the timing of the incoming snow i'm not really if you go to play this weekend do not play with a white ball uh, take a yellow or orange ball um I almost sound like I know what I'm talking about. I don't play golf. So it's a lot well, of cops who play golf. But, but it's good advice anyway. Yeah. You save yourself a lot of frustrations yeah. you not yeah. playing golf. Well, I think that change did a lot for the mental well-being of a lot of people. So, And, you know, I think that is something that is going to help people get through through this in the next few you know, a few months, um, being able to just get outside and get some exercise and see your, your buddies from a distance. Uh, so, and, and that's good. something we want to talk about specifically when we come back <coughs> for the second half of the program. So, Lieutenant, let's get another check of the weather and do some PSAs, and then we'll come back and talk about mental health and resiliency and resources that are available in our community. Thanks for tuning in. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, partly sunny. A chance of rain this afternoon. Highs in the lower 50s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, rain, or snow in the evening, then snow likely after midnight. Total snow accumulation of 1 to 3 inches. Cold with lows in the lower 30s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 80%. Saturday, partly sunny with a chance of snow in the morning, then mostly cloudy with a chance of snow or rain showers in the afternoon. Cooler with highs around 40. Northwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gusts up to 30 miles per hour, increasing to 40 miles per hour in the afternoon. Chance of precipitation 50%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, 
on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly public radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning, said an appropriate physical and social distance by Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Morning. Commanding Officer of the Communications Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau. And we are also joined in studio this morning, again, appropriately social distance, by Director uh, Gina Armstrong, the Director of the City's Department of Public Health, or Health Department, and Dr. Alan Kohlberg, the Chairman of the Pittsfield Board of Health. And we've been having a great conversation about um, this public health emergency and the recent mask and social distancing orders by both the Commonwealth and the Board of Health. Um, we, we had some quick little email exchanges yesterday, and I want to take a moment to talk, share a couple programming notes. So this is the first time that we've had uh, public health in studio with us. We've had other departments and, and other public safety agencies join us. The mayor's been on, the sheriff's been on. Uh, and we've, you know, really tried to, to keep this a, a police-oriented program. But as I said at the top of the hour, we're in a public health emergency, and so public health takes the lead. We're here to support them. So one of the things that we're, we're thinking about doing, Dr. Kohlberg suggested this, is this hour that we have, at least during the state of the emergency, is a good venue for us to get out a weekly public health update. So um, whether it's in studio or remotely, we'll reserve some time in each of our programs for the immediate future to talk about public health and the city's public health response. Uh, and in order to affect that, we had to ask some questions of our friends and instructors here at WTVR and Pittsfield Community Television. They are going to give us a down and dirty class on how we can take call-ins via Skype right into the board so we can do remote interviews. Uh, so we'll have that ready to go by next week. So um, you know we'll be able to have guests that can't join us in studio from anywhere in the world. So that's a capability we'll take going forward with this. And then the other thing is uh, because we know not everybody tunes into FM radio or follows us via the app or streaming, and we have another channel available here, although we were planning on doing it before this emergency was declared, we never got to it. But at the same time, a different programming change, we're also going to take this opportunity to start, hopefully, if they can if they can clear the time slot, simulcasting the show on PCTV. So we'll um, not only in, uh, increase our ability to interview guests, but we're going to increase our reach by adding another channel. Um, and that then includes all of their social media channels as well. And we'll also have access to the archives. So significant programming changes coming on. Uh, as a result of us trying to pivot to keep up and make sure we're providing the best communication strategies that we can uh, in support of our, our fellow departments. So before we went to the break, we were talking about golf as a tool and a mechanism uh, for stress relief, for, for resiliency. Uh, and we've, we've had a lot of 
internal conversations with members of the team when we started started the program you know what we're doing to take care of ourselves as we're, we're trying to go through this but these are strange and, and difficult and interesting times for everybody and i know I've, I've you know some people in my life i've watched and looked at them and you know okay yes it's frightening we're all scared nobody wants to get sick but if your response to this is to close the doors and close the windows and hide and try to wait this thing out it's going to be a long time you can't wait it out so you have to find ways to either modify the things that you normally do or substitute other things to take care of yourself because not only is there a a physical risk of getting ill and developing the respiratory disease and those other you know affiliated things that we're still scratching the surface of discovering these unusual manifestations especially some of the pediatric stuff that came out this week um but th this is not mentally healthy either so gina you wanted to spend some time talking about responses and resources yeah i think it's really important because as we move forward through this um, and we are in close com communication with our coronavirus planning task force um, you know we talk to representatives from our EMS and our hospitals and um, you know our, our uh, community health providers and behavioral health providers and you know we're seeing the secondary impact now of the of the pandemic where people are, um, you know, they're feeling this, the stress and it's manifesting in different ways, such as increase in uh, substance use and alcohol use. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're having an increase in our EMS calls, for example, uh, related to substance use. So we're, we're working together on strategies to really help support our community, make sure that they're aware of the resources that are available. We're um, trying to op um, provide education and, and opportunities to, to de-stress, um, reminders to take care of their, their, their bodies, um, and um, spiritually, emotionally, these are all, uh, you know, really important things to, to to think about, not only for ourselves, but um, for our friends and family and to really be a support to one another. Um, so we're going to be increasing our efforts to uh, make, help people um, access the, the supports that they may need through our behavioral health services in, in the, in the city and also um, things that are available online. There are a tremendous uh, number of supports um, that people can access um, um, you know, through their, their phone. They don't have to necessarily have um, a more advanced technology than that, like our United Way 211 system, for example. Um, they have a, a call line. It's, um, you, you call uh, 211 and you ask for call to talk, that's C-A-L-L number two, talk, T-A-L-K. And you know, there's someone there that if you're really having a bad day, um, there's, there's support there. Um, if people are uh, worried that their friends or family may be experiencing a, um, a higher level of a, a 
crisis situation, our, our Breen Center, of, of course, has so many different um, ways to access um, mental health counseling, um, substance abuse uh, support, and they have a crisis hotline 24-7. Um, and I can, I can share that, that number as well. That's 413 499 0412. Um, and also, I want to mention, mention an online resource for support groups. I know I've been hearing from a lot of community members that they're they're really relying on the the, the online support groups that are available, um, and I would recommend a website with the Western Mass Recovery Learning Community. Uh, they do healing and recovery through peer support, and that phone number is four one three five three nine five nine four one. And they are really a help for people struggling with substances, depression, mental, medical challenges, grief, um, and so that's easily accessible. Um, was there additional to add to that, Dr. Coker? Well, I think also, you know, just reaching out to, to neighbors who you know might might live alone or elderly or otherwise um, is is a good thing. It's um, you know, getting older is, is often attendant with being a little more lonely, or decreased mobility, um, or uh, if people are, are unhealthy, uh, and just knocking on the door and saying, can I, can I get something for you? And just being there for neighbors is, um, is good for them, and it's a, it's a good feeling to do it. Um, so uh, it's time for all of us to kind of reach out and try to... Um, you know, to be part of the community and to, to do community, to serve the community. And every, every, you know, the community is made up of, it's not, it's not just a collective, but it's a, it's a, it's a collective of individuals. And um, every, every single person uh, is a strong link in that community. So um, doing things on an, you know, on a one-to-one -one basis is, is very important. It's, uh, it, it really helps, it really does help people. Yeah, and I think we're fortunate that we have the technology that we do. Um, you know, we're, a lot of people are using Zoom to connect with their, their families, and that really makes such a big difference in, um, you know, reducing the, the isolation that a lot of people are feeling. <laughs> Have you have you done one of those zooms? <laughs> zoom zoom fatigue is a very real thing. Another, I, did, I did a zoom last night, my sister's birthday, and it's so weird. I mean, you're all you're all you got 15 people on the screen there. You know, we're all waiting. Who's going to talk next? You you always almost have to develop an etiquette. You know, to raise your hand yeah. so you can so you can. Who's going to talk next? It's uh, and then people start acting out and they start doing putting on funny hats and. Doing funny stuff. It's uh, it's it's actually fun, but uh, Ch it's, it's changing a, their backgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and FaceTime. Know. I I FaceTime with with my dad a lot, and you know my daughters, and it's um, I don't know what we would do without that, really. So you know, it, I just mentioned the term Zoom fatigue, which wasn't a thing 60 days ago. Uh, <laughs> 60 days ago, nobody had, you know 
60 days ago, many people who are listening didn't know what Zoom was. The first couple of weeks that this was going on, um, my, my wife, who works in higher ed, she, she was on Zoom several times a day. I'm like, that's not something I'm going to have to do. Now I do it every day. Yeah. Um, but she, um, I, she said something, and I thought back to you know way back when in the 70s when I was a child, Zoom was the name of a children's television show, an after-school <laughs> show. And I actually found the theme music for it on YouTube and sent it to a bunch of her coworkers. <laughs> um, but you know, another term that I didn't know, it wasn't part of my personal lexicon 60 days ago, was telehealth. And you were just talking about a lot of these available resources and the importance of that. And, you know, some people will think, well, okay, you know, that that's for people who are, you know, mentally ill or people who have a diagnosis. Look, I've talked about this on this program and elsewhere in the past. Um, I... I, as a result of my you know, my lifetime of service in public safety, realized several years ago that you can't be reactive in your mental health and your resiliency and continue to serve. You have to be proactive. And so, you know, I, I see a therapist, not because I've got an issue going on, but to be proactive, to be preventative, to get in front of that stuff. And I had a telehealth session with my therapist uh, from, from my home office a couple weeks ago. It was a little strange. But it wasn't any more strange than, you know, going to some strange office in a office park and talking to somebody for the first time. Right. Um, and I appreciated that he was able to keep the appointment because if we didn't have access to that technology, you know, I wouldn't be able to see him until this was over. So um, it's not just for people who are mentally ill or, or have a significant diagnosis. This is the type of stuff that everybody needs to be thinking about. Uh, in in public safety and law enforcement, we've been working on this for a couple of years. You know, and you know, the lieutenant, you you and I have talked about this. If you're a cop and you're not physically training, you know, strength training and cardio training, and some type of, you know, overcoming resistance training, you're not you're not doing your job. That's part of it. Right? Exercise and fitness is part of what we do. Uh, in this day and age. If you're not doing something to take care of your emotional and cognitive health, you're not doing your job. Um, and now, unfortunately, that is a description that has expanded well beyond public safety. Right? We've, we've got a lot of friends and a lot of colleagues who work in the hospital, um, family members, loved ones who work in the hospital. I'm, I'm worried about the long-term impact. If you went from wearing colorful floral scrubs with a stethoscope around your neck to wearing full-on PPE, including a face shield and a surgical cap every day, that can't, that can't not have an impact. Um, and the longer it goes on, the more significant the impact's going to be. So you know, keep an eye on your friends. Keep an eye on your loved ones. Look for changes in behavior you know, are, are people withdrawing, people that you normally would interact with on a regular basis not responding anymore? It, that's not normal. And we need to be vigilant and remind people, it's okay to not be okay. These are extraordinary times. There are going to be extraordinary responses that requires extraordinary measures of um, community care. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I, I want to um, just add to what you were saying about the, the telehealth and uh, you know the, the Breen Center is also uh, um, they've adapted to add in video telehealth options 
uh, beginning in May this month. They're doing that. Uh, so I also want to give out the phone number to the Breeding Center because they, they continue to do intake as, as they always do. Um, and that number is 413-499-0412. And um, I <laughs> one, one thing I saw as when I was looking up the resources yesterday for some of the online sites, they referred to it as giving someone a mental hug, you know, and I think uh, that's what we, we, we want to, you know, reach out and, and really um, offer people that, that support that, that, that's needed and really important right now. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to talk about is um, resilience. You know, resilience is our ability to get through stressful times and come out the other end. And, um, you know, res from my years of practicing pediatrics, I, I recognize that resilience is not something you can in inculcate in somebody by just set telling them to be strong or to, to buck up. Um, resilience is something that is fostered and in, in and increased by support that you give somebody and and, and being supportive along the way so uh, some people have a little bit more ability to adapt and to be resilient in in stressful situations than others but for for most people it, it requires a lot of ongoing support to give them the confidence um, and and the uh, whatever they need to get through uh, difficult times. So, uh, again, just to make th that point. I, another thing that just to reflect on what Chief Wynn just mentioned before about keeping yourself physically uh, physically conditioned is that exercise, uh, as a therapist once pointed out to me, is that exercise is a great antidepressant. And uh, even just taking walks in the neighborhood, you know, I've, I see I see <laughs> 10 times the number of people out walking now uh, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, that they, they probably want, for, for number one, they want to get out of the house, but whenever the weather's nice, I see, I see tons of people walking around, and that's a great thing. Uh, you know, just a, a, a 15, 20-minute walk is, uh, you come back, you know, you could, you've, you've taken some deep breaths, and you, you're, you've done something safe, and you've done something for yourself, and it, it just kind of resets your emotional state in a good way. And about through uh, a professional development book that I've been reading for the last, I don't know, 10 days, and the chapter I was reading last night was about the neuroplasticity and the, and the physiological effects of certain neurochemicals as a result of exercise. Yeah. And you know, this is something that I'm a little bit familiar with but the analysis in this book was particularly identifying some of the the neurotransmitters that are produced and the actual physical changes it manifests not just in your brain but elsewhere in your body um, potentially on the cellular level right like you can actually do some disease prevention by increasing your exercise it's pretty cool um, so don't don't understand undercut the value of a good workout right which reminds me i missed two workouts this week i've got some catching up to do <laughs> um so one of the other things we were talking about in relation to the mask order was potential sources people have asked us you know where can where can i get face coverings and as dr kohlberg said you know the supply chains in this country are still catching up and 
N95 masks, respirators. We need those for frontline hospital workers, medical workers, people who are providing the testing, some first responders who are dealing with potential COVID patients. The KN95s, um, second tier first responders, police officers, firefighters, EMTs who are, are just out in the community exposed to high uh, viral loads. Uh, and then, you know, medical providers and stuff. We're doing surgical masks and in shelter surgical masks. So if you're not sick, do us all a favor. Don't try to go get the medical grade masks, you know, face coverings. But the good news is there's, there's been a lot of people stepping up. Um, we were trying to, I was trying to find an email address and I can't find the particular email address. But um, before COVID-19, we had a local community group that was the Berkshire Bag Share Program, another Board of Health order, uh, eliminating single-use plastic bags. And um, so everybody needed recyclable shopping bags, and so people were sewing shopping bags. And talking about pivoting, uh, COVID-19 hits, and people who were sewing shopping bags became the Berkshire Seamstresses. And so if you're on social media, you're on Facebook, you can look up Berkshire Seamstresses. It's actually Berkshire Seamsters. Berkshire Seamsters. 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 Yeah. All right. I apologize. And then there. I apologize, and the, Kate. And their and their email address is well. You you can probably look it up just on a, on Google and um, it's Tyler Street Lab. Is yeah. uh, you you can probably access them that way. I don't know if it's .com or .org, but yeah. the Tyler Street Lab is uh, right. Kate, uh, there's, there's a. I just found there's a great article in uh, iBerkshire's this week. If you go to the iBerkshire's website, you'll find it, and it lists a ton of the retail locations that they are selling their face coverings at. Um, we already mentioned some of the car hardware locations, and in Pittsfield, uh, Dotties, but Dotties you have to you know. But we're talking about they have to make an appointment. George's, uh, Guido's, Hashem's, where else in Pittsfield? Liquor's Inc. Car Hardware, you mentioned. Car Hardware. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joanne Fabric. Joanne Fabric. Right. Um, I think they're no cost at Joanne Fabric. Um, and Flavors. Joanne yep. Fabrics will actually give you the materials mm-hmm. for, they'll sell the kits. They'll give you kits f- to make a dozen masks. So if you happen to have... Uh, some some expertise on a sewing machine. You can actually make a dozen masks for all for your family. Um, but but it's not that not ready made. But all the it's all the materials kit. are cut. Yeah. And there, I, well, I was looking for Berkshire Seamsters. I found another page that I had forgotten about. Uh, also in response to the coronavirus pandemic, um, Berkshire Mutual Aid. Uh, so Berkshire County Coronavirus Community mm-hmm. Assistance, Berkshire Mutual Aid. Not only are they linked in with uh, sources and providers for for face coverings but there's a ton of information on their facebook page about the other type of stuff we're talking about um resiliency access to mass 211 um financial benefits so there's there's a we've said this on this program since the inception of this program particularly when we're talking about some of our community engagement and community outreach around law enforcement torch run and special olympics we're blessed berkshire county is an incredibly generous and innovative community and um when we we ask people step up in in innovative and creative ways and they always accomplish the mission i was reading the article this morning um one of one of my friends and colleagues, Chief Jeff Rusa of the Lee Police Department, is no longer working. Uh, Chief Rusa has ALS. Another colleague of ours, uh, retired Deputy Chief Paladoro of Pittsfield Fire, same thing. They created 
this tug war challenge that we the arrest and extinguish tug war challenge that we did the inaugural last year and we can't do it this year so they're they're pivoting and switching to online but they had a goal of twenty five thousand dollars with this one day event last year and they raised close to 70. Um, Mm. that's you know and we've talked about our cop on top events we always exceed our goal because we always underestimate the creativity and innovation and generosity of our community and our community has come together in unbelievable ways uh, to assist each other in this emergency. I was having a conversation with the mayor yesterday. Uh, she was sharing some information that she had uh, received from representative from the governor's office. We have come together in ways that are gaining the attention of the entire Commonwealth. Um, not every region of the Commonwealth has what we have out here. And some of that is because we have to take care of ourselves because let's face it you know many people think that the commonwealth stops in worcester and we have to take care of ourselves because we can't always rely uh, on on boston but in times like this it works right we don't we don't wait for them to come we do what we do and send them the bill mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a small community and we all feel accountable to one another here right. yeah yeah and another example of that is uh with the distribution of two uh, cloth mass with the uh, meal distribution through right. our public schools. Um, they're, I think they're doing over 500, 600 S- meals yeah. uh, I, I a think day. the superintendent said 700 to 800 yeah. a day now. Yeah, right. So through those uh, meal <coughs> distribution sites, uh, families will be able to also access the two cloth mass. I'm Ho- not, I think they're doing that next week sometime. Or? We don't have a time frame yeah. for that yet because we, we just identified the source to purchase mm-hmm. the masks. And mm-hmm. my staff in the coordinating center is working with uh uh, community development director roofers staff to identify we, we know what the funding source is going to be but we don't know what the available budget is yet so hopefully mm-hmm. by the end of the day today we'll have a budget and a supply source and a time frame and then we can uh we can put those together with the meals which that's amazing right 60 days ago the pittsville public school district was in the business of educating our youth that's mm-hmm. their business uh, secondary to that, you know, because students can't learn if they're distracted and they'd be distracted if their bellies are empty. So they be, had become very adept at feeding their students. Um, we offer breakfast and lunch to pretty much all of our students in all of our schools and dinner, in many cases, to students in after school programs. And when we close the schools, they just started feeding the kids. Like, That's what we do. Yeah. One minute. All right. So final thoughts. We're just about out of time. Well, as, as you were saying two months ago, it was precisely two months ago that we had our first case here in Berkshire County, and now we've had a total of, what, 450 or so? In the, in the in, county? In the county. And 138 here in Pittsburgh. 138. In the, mm-hmm. So things happen fast. This is a very infective virus, I just, just from the standpoint of why this has become, why this has spread so rapidly around here, but also around the country, is that... Uh, every person who gets the illness is expected to infect um, two to three other people. So it, it multiplies very quickly, um, and in a very short period of time, you go from one to one to many. Um, so that's another reason why people need to recognize the importance of, um, of wearing face coverings. All right, we are just about out of time. Dr. Colbert, Gina, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Lieutenant, take us out. You're listening to 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio.